This is OneRadioNetwork.com, March 19, 2019. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. We're going to put on our tinfoil hat tomorrow and talk to Richard Grove. Pretty, pretty curious, very interesting fellow. We'll talk about hmm, big picture, the people that kind of run the world. I think you'll find it fun. He's a big fan of uh, Carol Quigley's work, Tragedy and Hope, which was uh, one of Andrew Goss's favorite books. And uh, so we'll have fun tomorrow. Um, talk about that. And I think we're going to do a little financial thing on Thursday. Uh, yeah, that'll be different. And also, uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins on Thursday. He's uh, written quite a paper on 5G and a lot of research. And so we're going to dig more into that one. And uh, some really weird things going on geopolitically and politically with this whole 5G thing, too, as well, with China. Um, you know, it's kind of like the more you look at it, and I don't, I don't really dig into it very, very deeply, but it's more like a John Grisham novel, you know, to keep track of all this stuff. But definitely something uh, spooky on big level stuff going in with the 5G technology. Who wants to control it? And and uh, they get a feeling they know exactly what's you know what's going on. Dr. Ray Pete has uh, been kind enough to come on the show from time to time the last uh, few months, and uh, he has a Ph.D. in biology, University of Oregon, uh, specialization in physiology, and he's he's taught at different uh, University of Oregon, Urbana College, Montana State University, National College of Naturopathic Medicine, uh, University of Dodd. At a Cruzana, and uh, he started his work early on with progesterone and related hormones in '68, in papers in physiological chemistry and physics '71 and '72, and uh, his website raypeat.com, and you can uh, sign up for his newsletter, and uh, he'll tell you more about that. Just a plethora of articles on his website. And we already have some emails. If folks want to ask him some questions and see how he's doing. Let's see if we can get to the right right control here and we'll make this work. Good morning, Good morning Dr. Dr. Pete. Good morning. Uh, just as I came on, I heard you talking, uh, I think, about uh, genetic modified food. Yes, sir. Um, that uh, I didn't hear everything you were talking about, just, just the, the tail end of it, but... Uh, that is is something everyone I think should be uh, very concerned about. Uh, did he talk about the the research of Seralini and Suroff and Baranova? No, I, uh, I haven't heard those names, but yeah, talk uh, about that. Uh, for, for example, uh, Baranova and Suroff uh, uh, fed uh, different combinations of uh, modified. Uh, uh, grains to hamsters and uh, found that each generation the symptoms were worse until in the third generation they were sterile and uh, that's something that 
biologists <clears throat> have been covering up for uh, at least 50 years, probably much longer, uh, that when, when something mildly harmful persists uh, beyond one generation, it is intensified every generation, even without uh, uh, modifying or mutating genes, it accumulates epigenetic uh, changes, uh, changes the course of development uh, of the species. Uh, and uh, in, in just three generations of, of eating uh, whatever uh, had, had gone wrong with that grain, uh, the animals were sterile in the third generation. Wow. So they gave animals uh, a GMO grain, and then third generation, they're sterile. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, most of them are very, very small litters, and the few that survived uh, were sterile. And uh, that had been done 50 or 60 years ago. I read experiments in which uh, they would make a, a small nick in the egg of a frog or other uh, animal with large eggs and there would be slight changes as that animal grew up but its offspring would be even more damaged and then the third generation wouldn't be able to reproduce at all. And you've seen what mechanism does that work through? Epigenetically? Um, um, uh, yeah, the the, the Mechanists uh, say that if it doesn't change your genes, mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt you at all. Mm -hmm. because, uh, they say that everything is permanently built into the genes as we develop. Uh, you simply print out what is inherited. But uh, that simply isn't the way life works. Um, uh, that, that was a big dogma starting in uh, 1890. Uh, and uh, gaining gaining steam uh, early in the 20th century uh, called neo-Darwinism. Mm. <clears throat> but it became uh, a whole doctrine in medicine, for example, uh, until just about 1975 or 80, doctors were, uh, almost all of them were insisting that uh, a woman could be uh, starved or uh, stressed, very sick, as long as the baby uh, could uh, stay in the uterus, it wasn't going to be affected at all by anything that happened to the health of the mother. But in fact, animal experiments uh, have been showing uh, that uh, anything you do, uh, if, if your grandmother was stressed uh, or poorly nourished, uh, your health uh, is going to be it, it shows up in human studies but it was clearly demonstrated in animal studies that the, the whole body uh, changed its form the brain was smaller uh, high blood pressure was, was higher everything was a little damaged for generations after a serious uh, stress and that was based on the idea of a permanent kind of a gene that doesn't change um, yeah, it, right. it, it applies, for example, uh, carbon groups, methyl groups, are attached to the ordinary DNA chains uh, so that they uh, react differently with the rest of the organism. The, the organism can't see them 
when they're covered up with this methyl group. Hmm. And so then we know then with uh, ongoing dietary and lifestyle things, and but then these these genes do express themselves differently. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything is constantly being uh, checked against what's going on elsewhere in the organism and its environment. And uh, so we're constantly being changed. Our genes are, are constantly uh, being expressed according to the present situation. Uh, so the, the whole doctrine of immutable genes, except when they're mutated, uh, that that was a fantasy that was imposed for political reasons. Uh, so so this is this could be used for a positive idea. Oh, oh yeah, it, it has the opposite implica- implications. When when the 1960 uh, group in uh, Berkeley uh, started experimenting with uh, giving very interesting. Uh, situations to their lab animals, mm-hmm. playgrounds instead of little boxes to live in. Mm-hmm. And the, the offspring learned better that the parents grew up happier, uh, slightly bigger, and uh, more intelligent. But the offspring were still more intelligent. The third generation uh, had bigger brains than than had ever uh, been uh, measured before. And similar things in in chickens, they didn't have playgrounds to entertain them and develop their brains, but they found that adding uh, an amino acid or glucose to the egg, punching a hole in it, and just putting some sugar in the egg when the chicken's brain normally had reached its peak development, the brain went on developing if it was simply provided more glucose. And the chickens were born more intelligent than chickens had ever been with bigger brains. <laughs> so so to mom and dad's listening, the better, the more things we can do in utero and afterwards for the kids, they can, they can actually get stronger. Uh, yeah, yeah, to keep the blood supply and all the nutrients and uh, oxygen and sugar going to the, the developing baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, anything in particular that you have been top of mind for you the last, since we talked about a month ago, anything uh, pop up? Um, uh, yeah, for, for years I've been <clears throat> uh, noticing that uh, drugs and uh, nutritional supplements and foods and cosmetics are uh, being uh, modified for the manufacturer's uh, uh, ease with silica, silicon dioxide uh, powder. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I finally uh, decided to bring together uh, some concrete information about that. And uh, everything you look at, uh, from ge- genetically modified food to uh, uh, the things they put in our food, uh, everything is having that kind of an epigenetic effect, changing us uh, every time we eat it, but staying in the tissues. Uh, people, when they reproduce, uh, are having modified uh, 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 reproductive uh, cells, 
that are effective uh, starting out earlier and earlier each generation. So uh, you mentioned silicon, silicon dioxide. It's in a lot of stuff. Is this something we do definitely want to keep out of our bodies? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't buy any supplement that contains silicon particulate matter such as titanium dioxide or silica yeah. silicon yeah. dioxide. Yeah. It's curious. Most of the sulfur that's out there that's sold, the pure MSM, they all have this silicon dioxide. The one that we promote does not. I wonder why they use it. Uh, some I've, I've talked to a few of the people that uh, produce the, the products with it, mm-hmm. and they've simply been sold on the idea that it, it makes the product easier to manufacture and oh. package. It's a lubricant. Oh. <clears throat> um, and uh, uh, people uh, fairly often ask me how safe is Teflon, huh. and <clears throat> even though if you're <clears throat> careful with Teflon, it's no no big problem. But everyone in the country has some of the monomer precursors that are used in making uh, Teflon in their tissues. The stuff is. Uh, contaminating everyone to to some extent but uh, uh this stuff uh, it isn't a, an ingredient of food but it can be used as a lubricant it's very slippery when you use the monomer precursor that they make teflon out of and hmm. this lubricant can be used on the machinery that is used for packaging food or, or manufacturing things and uh, one of the products is called food grade lubricant, and it contains uh, silica and uh, uh, the monomers of uh, Teflon, the uh, perfluoro uh, 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 ethylene, for example. So they're using it. Um, I think Dr. Bob Marshall talked about it years ago. They were using it to to facilitate getting the uh, into capsules and stuff like that into the machines. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and they don't have to mention it in the ingredients when it's used as a processing aid. The FDA calls it. Uh, so we we don't even see on the label things that are actually uh, industrially being added. Yeah. Oh, and. Oh, oh. What is, what is the silicone dioxide, Dr. Pete, do in the body? What's, what's it do? Uh, the size of the particle determines the effect. Uh, uh, people for 100 years have been saying that it's the uh, natural crystalline fiber of asbestos that made it carcinogenic. But uh, more detailed studies show that amorphous silica is also inflammatory and eventually fibrogenic and carcinogenic, and that it depends on the size of the particle. The uh, thing about the asbestos fiber is that it, it's linear and has a high ratio of length to diameter. But if you have a particle which, according to the particular area of the cell, a group of proteins <clears throat> called the inflammasome. Uh, to this particle, 
to, to this little organelle, a, a particle of a certain size is interpreted the same as the end of a splinter of an asbestos crystal. Mm-hmm. So that the the size range, as it gets smaller towards a nanoparticle rather than a microparticle, uh, it becomes more toxic, and it also enters the cells more easily. Uh, they've been warning about inhaled particles from smoke and dust and various industrial uh, contaminants, uh, uh, just the, the grinding of tires on uh, on concrete highways, for example, uh, throws up a very fine dust that is inhaled uh, and is one of the major toxins around city air, uh, a combination of smoke and dust. And this is recognized as when the particles are below a certain diameter, uh, roughly the size of a bacteria and smaller, uh, they're able to pass through the lungs into the bloodstream, affect the heart and brain and every organ in the body. But uh, even though that has been recognized for a long time as something that is very dangerous uh, entering the lungs, People put this junk <clears throat> in our foods, <clears throat> and we swallow it, and the same thing happens. It uh, passes through the, the wall of the intestine. Uh, cells in the intestine specifically uh, are designed to take up and sample antigens in the food, and these particular cells will deliberately take up uh, cells as part of our defensive reaction, but uh, they take up the particles of, of, for example, silica, and then they can't digest it. They accumulate it, and their immune uh, macrophage-like function is gradually destroyed uh, by accumulating this indigestible fibrous material. Interesting. Dr. Ray Pete is with us, Patrick Timpone, on RadioNetwork.com. What are some of the other common adjuvants, or, or not adjuvants, but tagalongs that we see in supplements, very popular that we want to stay away from. Any top top of that for you? Um, I think um, anything other than uh, sugar or salt or, or other uh, relatively pure edible substance shouldn't be there at all. Really? Sugar, salt, just... Anything else, just don't mess with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, for example, uh, stearic acid. Yeah, st- that's the one I wanted to ask about. Yeah, stearic. Uh, mag- mag- magnesium stearate, it, yeah. it sounds chemically uh, like it's a perfectly edible substance, but uh, it's a manufactured substance. It passes through the machines, and they don't say what has been on the machines before in making that additive. Mm-hmm. Way down the line, it's accumulating uh, small amounts of, mm-hmm. of allergens and such. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Pete, is there anything that uh, you do pretty regularly in your life after all your years of studying these things where you'll pop up different uh, isolated nutrients just to kind of hedge your, hedge your bets? Um, let me see. Uh, I have... Um, stopped using any nutritional uh, supplement orally just because of having 
uh, seeing how they're made <laughs> and, and knowing. Uh, first, I started having experiences. Uh, I could eat. Uh, I could consume uh, uh, gallons, literally, of orange juice, uh, huge amounts of vitamin C coming in, or, or guavas or other fruit, very rich in vitamin C. Mm -hmm. But I found that uh, the smallest amount of a vitamin C supplement uh, gave me first a, a very bad cough uh, and then uh, intestinal inflammation and headaches. Uh, and after I identified that, I started mentioning it to other people. And dozens of other people overcame their chronic uh, uh, flemminess, uh, cough, runny nose, uh, constipation, headaches, and so on, just by giving up their supplements. Yeah. And I, I found that uh, I, I would occasionally eat a piece of bread or breakfast cereal or salami or something and have a bad reaction. I would look on the label and see that they had added ascorbic acid to it. So uh, it would take only about two milligrams of a synthetic ascorbic acid uh, to make me very sick, even if I didn't know I, I was ingesting it until I looked at the label, <laughs> where I could consume 4,000 milligrams of ascorbic acid in the natural form occurring in food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't feel it's necessary to do a supplemental vitamin C ascorbic acid or sodium ascorbate or something in general for our listeners? Uh, uh, no, um, after I stopped taking it, I wondered if I was going to uh, develop a deficiency, but I just kept eating uh, regular uh, foods, um, milk, uh, eggs, meat were my basic foods, mm -hmm. uh, very few vegetables. And after a couple months of that, uh, in the lab, I decided to check how much ascorbic acid was coming out in my urine two months later. And I found I was putting out uh, between one and 2,000 milligrams in my urine every day. Uh, it, huge amounts uh, couldn't have been stored for that long. Uh, so what was happening was I was extracting vitamin C from meat and milk even. And uh, uh, the, the nutrition charts usually show meat as having very little ascorbic acid, which technically it does, but that uh, is a clue to what ascorbic acid is doing in our tissues. It isn't uh, very, very little of it is present in the form of ascorbic acid, but the same molecule in the oxidized form is uh, eight, roughly eight times uh, uh, more concentrated in the cells than outside the cells. And in the cells, ascorbic acid is an oxidant, an essential oxidant, for example, for forming the properly folded <clears throat> uh, folded proteins that the cell is manufacturing. Uh, so the, the whole misinterpretation uh, of where we're getting our vitamin C uh, was confused because it's, it's really <clears throat> uh, turning into... Uh, dehydroascorbate in the body anyway, and that's what we're getting uh, in in things like meat, eggs, and milk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Curious. Curious. Uh, 
Here's an email for you. I enjoyed your, your recent shows with Dr. Pete. I hope he keeps coming back on. I started eating chicken necks, carrot salads, and oranges to help my thyroid. And I'm feeling warmer, a little bit more energy. Can you please ask me the following? How does canned milk compare to fresh milk in terms of nutritional value? And is goat milk and goat cheese good sources of calcium and protein? I don't tolerate cow's milk very well. Uh, yeah, the, the cheeses are, are great sources of um, most nutrients. Uh, they're like milk. They're deficient in iron, but they're extremely good for uh, calcium, magnesium, uh, B vitamins, vitamin C, and so on. And canned milk has always been recognized to be a little lower in vitamin C and uh, uh, slightly lower in some of the B vitamins. But uh, the, the main concern historically was that uh, the soldering of the cans involved lead. And I think finally, uh, 20 or 30 years ago, that was corrected. But it's good to be alert to how the cans are made. Uh, uh, cans sometimes aren't properly lined, uh, and the metal will oxidize the food, mm -hmm. or, or there will be contaminants from putting a liner, uh, 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 for example, an estrogenic plastic has been used sometimes as liners. To, to many, to some people, do better on a goat or sheep's uh, cheese, or rather than cows, for some reason. Um, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. the. the um, the fat particle is more thoroughly homogenized in goat milk, and, and that um, gives you a fairly standardized uh, ratio of, of fat to the other nutrients. And, and the goats uh, are pickier about what they eat, so uh, it uh, is, a, is a more certain source of some nutrients, such as uh, vitamin E, because uh, they don't like to eat stale food. But I guess with I guess goats, goats uh, uh, you've really got to be careful because they eat a lot of stuff, don't they? No telling. Don't want them uh, grazing around a, a junkyard. Yeah, no, no, no telling. Mm. Get these uh, glyphosate things. Huh? Mm. Uh, but but generally, uh, uh, goats uh, live live on uh, fresh leaves. Uh, Grace writes in, Dr. Pete recommends thyroid supplementation for anyone over 30. Theoretically, would this be on a daily basis, continually, and how much, till death to us part? Would this be the same for male or female? Um, I started thinking about that issue uh, when I first went to school in Mexico and and ate some unfamiliar food hmm. like uh, blood tacos and uh, uh, chicken chicken neck soup and uh, uh, lots of uh, crustaceans and even insects and such uh, and um, shellfish and I realized that uh, until you um, in 1940 the uh, agriculture department in the U.S. declared that uh, thyroid must be removed at the slaughterhouse and either sent to make fertilizer or animal food. Uh, 
I, I realized that everyone in the world who ate animal products, whether insects and crustaceans or, or mollusks uh, or fish heads and uh, uh, animal uh, waste organs and such, everyone was, was getting thyroid in their diet every day just as part of the diet. And suddenly, 1940 or 42, uh, all of our meat supply in the U.S., uh, was being deprived uh, of the uh, the thyroid gland, which had previously been in all of the uh, animal products. Uh, milk became uh, uh, one one of the rare sources uh, of thyroid hormone. Uh, the the mother is always putting her hormones into the milk, so progesterone and thyroid are. are slightly provided. For example, after Three Mile Island, uh, the women who were breathing uh, the isotopes leaking out of the nuclear reactor, <clears throat> um, uh, there, there were no uh, thyroid-deficient babies identified where they expected the, the radiation to have damaged some of the babies' thyroids. But while they were being breastfed, uh, there were no thyroid-deficient babies because the milk was providing it. When they stopped nursing them, or if they uh, hadn't been nursed at all, those were the ones who developed uh, thyroid disease. Uh, so milk, uh, for a baby at least, is a very important source of the hormones. Uh, Leroy says, I've, I've heard Mr. Pete on your show talk about the benefits of some fish and even... Um, shellfish. Is there not a concern uh, with uh, mercury consuming fish? Um, uh, yeah, except that all of the, the food is, is now getting uh, mercury in it. Uh, smoke circulates around the world uh, carrying a lot of mercury right over the continent. And uh, uh, studies of the mercury content of kids found that the the brightest ones had the highest mercury content, uh, uh, showing that if they're well nourished, uh, the mercury can pass through them. Uh, Hans Selye uh, did experiments poisoning animals with so much mercury that uh, their kidneys were uh, very very seriously damaged. They, they had uh, big uh, white spots on them as the cells were dying. But then he gave them a, a good dose of vitamin C combined with the same amount of mercury and showed that their kidneys looked perfectly normal. Uh, and he showed that the the mercury was being uh, reduced to a, a non-toxic form that was able to pass through the body without uh, sticking to the brain and so on. Just with the proper nutrients. Uh, yeah, huh. yeah the, uh, a good balance of oxidizing and reducing uh, substances. Big time. So the body just knows how to get rid of it. Uh, yeah, and uh, the mostly unidentified uh, uh, molecules such as flavonoids in fruits and vegetables and uh, some, some in the animals that have eaten them in the milk and so on, uh, these flavonoids are very important for tuning up the right 
oxidative balance of cells like vitamin C functioning as an oxidant in cells to keep the uh, process of oxygen energy metabolism running. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Glenda, I've been doing this research on grains and and wondering if uh, if I soak my grains organic, of course, for 24 hours, it's similar to using uh, some of the, the process with lye Mr. P talks about? Oh, no, no, not exactly. But uh, it is uh, another way of uh, creating a more nutritious product. Um, if the cell, if the grain hasn't been killed by heating or, or chemical treatment, uh, then when you wet it, it uh, activates the sprouting chemistry, even if it's been ground. So that the enzymes that would grow a sprout uh, are activated in the first uh, roughly oh, 12 to 24 hours, depending on temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, w- w- when a-, a seed is produced, it has to store uh, enough uh, material to make the proteins to grow a sprout before it can start producing its own energy. And that means that it has to store either starch or oil as an energy source and uh, some kind of concentrated nitrogen source because it's going to have to make uh, quite a lot of of protein uh, to grow the sprout. And that nitrogen is stored in certain amino acids that have more nitrogen essential. Uh, lots of arginine, for example, uh, uh, and lysine, the, the uh, uh, nitrogen-rich amino acids, are packed into the seed. When you activate those enzymes, you are actually reducing the toxic proteins and starches and increasing the nutritional protein value. Uh, uh, when it reaches a sprout state, it's uh, more than twice as rich in protein uh, as when it was uh, in in the seed stage, but sprouting uh, moves it slightly in that direction, less toxic and more nutritious. And the alkali process uh, doesn't activate the proteins, but it chemically uh, reduces uh, some of the toxins and and increases the amount of niacin mm-hmm. in, the, in the cell. Mm-hmm. And you would do that, you'd have to cook it, I guess. What do you, they cook it for an hour with a little lye, and then they let it soak for about, what, 10, 10 hours or so? Oh, um, I don't think they usually do it that long. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they can uh, send it to the the mill the next morning if they cook it. Uh, yeah, I guess it's commonly left to soak for overnight. But we could do that at home, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we would just cook it for an hour and then let it soak for a while? Uh, yeah, you cook it until it swells up and, mm-hmm. and the, the husk comes off the seed. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Let's, let's get a phone call here. Uh, good morning. Uh, who's this? You're on the air with Ray Pete. Hi, Patrick. This is Mike in Chattanooga. Hello, Mike. Go ahead. You're on the air. A couple of questions for Dr. Ray Pete, okay? Okay. Okay. First one is, you know, I'm taking Armour Thyroid, and I'm taking 10 a day, and I don't feel any kind of pulse change or heating or anything. 
And my lab report says I'm in, you know, when they check my 3T3 and everything, all my labs work for thyroid back within the range. But yet, I'm taking armor thyroid, you know, that many, and yet no change. Uh, how much are you taking? 10 a day of the armor thyroid, 30 milligrams, and then, then I go and I'll take granulars to equal the same amount, you know? That's a a lot. lot. Broda Barnes, who was one of the pioneers in uh, thyroid therapy, he did a Ph.D. in physiology as well as his M.D. degree, and and he actually did uh, research through Eastern Europe uh, on hypothyroidism and its consequences. And he found that uh, the low thyroid regions uh, had both uh, high rates of of, thyroid cancer, especially breast cancer, and heart disease. And so he, uh, starting in the 1930s through the 40s and 50s, put all of his uh, hypothyroid patients on a thyroid supplement. And in his whole career of 30 years, uh, had no patient die of heart disease, uh, where he, he uh, the average doctor in, in that many years would have had many patients who who died of of heart attacks and such. And his average dose was 120 milligrams of armor thyroid. Okay, so that would that would be uh, four. Uh, These are actually, I think, 33 milligrams, but they are. Three of them, you know, 99. Oh, Oh, wonder if if the American version that I've gotten, there's something weak in it, and it's like it's not activating my thyroid. I'm saying, not it's it's like you know, when you take ten. It, for some people, they can take one of them, and boy, it really helps them. But with me, no movement whatsoever. I was thinking, I'm, there's something in my body that's just not letting my thyroid activate. You know, and I eat a real clean diet, you know, no grains, no junk and everything. I watch everything. Uh, uh, Broda Barnes found several things that were uh, interfering with thyroid. He would uh, give a person 30 milligrams for maybe a couple of months and uh, watch their temperature uh, as well as their symptoms. Uh, and uh, if they didn't feel a response, then he would increase at 30 milligrams at a time, watching their temperature. And uh, when the temperature came up to normal, so that when they woke up, it would be around 98 degrees. And then after breakfast, it would rise to about 98.5 or 6. Uh, He he found that the symptoms uh, would disappear when their temperature got up to the normal uh, cyclic range. And... uh, he found that uh, several things uh, would interfere with with that. Uh, uh, stresses of different kinds. Uh, he experimented on himself and found that too much protein, uh, for example, uh, eating uh, uh, too much muscle meat, uh, w- would suppress the thyroid. Uh, and it's uh, the cysteine and tryptophan mostly in the muscle meat, methionine, cysteine, and tryptophan, 
which inhibit the thyroid. So you, you want to check the quality of the protein. Uh, milk, uh, the, the calcium content of milk uh, protects against that anti-thyroid effect of uh, methionine and cysteine. Mike, are you... Are you, are, you, are, you, are you certain that you're clear of any kind of uh, root canals or cavitations? Um, yeah, I've never had that. I, I mean, have you had them, have you had some, have you had them checked out? My dental is, is, I don't have any root canals or no problems with that. But I mean, have you had it checked out with a good x-ray? Well, yes, I keep up with all that. So my teeth are in real good shape. Or, now, you know, they're... That's showing, showing up on X-ray. Okay. There could be something mild that are going on that I'm not aware of. Okay, but well, uh, I guess what I, all I'm saying is, if you can find a biological dentist and do a cone beam, and there could be issues 20, 30 years ago when you had your tooth pulled that you have a cavitation and you've never seen it without a proper X-ray, and you get these guys on one of the meridians. And they can affect, they can affect things like thyroid that it'll never get right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's worth exploring. Yes, sir. All right. I have infections that put the stress on the body, like Dr. Pete saying. What's that? Stress in different levels like that will cause these problems. Sure. Yeah. Have you, have you checked your pulse rate? Does it increase at all? It all the time, and it tries to stay around 58 to 60. And sometimes it will jump up. I've had it jump up to 84 at rest. And if I go walking, it doesn't go up. My pulse kind of stays you know, around 70 or 80 or even 60 when I'm walking. Um, some... Uh, People have, have stored enough of the polyunsaturated fats in their tissues that it can take six months or more of, of, uh, of the uh, average dose of, of thyroid before their tissue starts responding. Hmm. Uh, uh, one woman I knew uh, for 20 years took a normal amount of thyroid uh, and still uh, didn't lose uh, her, either her symptoms or her excess fat, but uh, when she got doctors to prescribe uh, at at the final uh, dose, she was taking 15 grains of armor uh, for a while, uh, and suddenly she recovered and went down to an, a normal dose to, to maintain. But uh, sometimes it, it takes a, a temporary uh, large dose to uh, get the, the system going. Sure, sure. Stay right there, Dr. Pete Patrick. And thanks, Mike, for the call. Hope that's helpful. Uh, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com with Dr. Ray Pete. We'll continue. We have lots of emails for him uh, this morning. You know, a lot of folks, um, they say, well, yeah, I don't really have any problems in my mouth. Uh, uh, no root canals and no cavitations. And and uh, But then if you really talk to them, they've never really had them tested properly. Um, it's, it's really important. And as I said, you could get a, uh, we all have their, you know, our different mm, wisdom teeth pulled out 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, um, if you've never really looked at these guys with what they call a cone beam and 
they're very, very incredibly accurate. Uh, you can, uh, Dr. Nunley has found, uh, mm, these cavitations, which are small holes in the jaw that are just as bad as root canals with these anaerobic material that may be 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, and you just don't know they're there. So, I mean, it's just another piece to the puzzle. If you find somebody, a good biological dentist with a cone beam baby, um, it's uh, not a great deal of a, um x-ray. It's not going to hurt you. It certainly would be better to figure out if you had something. You know, you could have some kind of chronic thing with thyroid or stomach or um, colon or who knows for years and never been able to get to the, you know, to the root cause of it. And if you've got one of these uh, infections on uh, one of these meridians in your body, um, you'd be hard-pressed to, to ever ditch it. I mean, it's just curious. And, you know, back in the day, uh, and even today, most of the dentists, they don't know how to deal with um, taking out the ligament, really cleaning out these areas when they when they pull a tooth and uh, doing little platelets and really making sure that it clumps up there and you get a good blood clot uh, so there's no cavitation. It's a, it's a very silent, uh, um, deep uh, um, issue in our culture that very few people know about. And we have a whole section in our on our website on dental. So you should learn about these things. And it could be a piece of the puzzle that, that uh, you haven't you know, come across as yet. Previously, we talked with Brandon Amalani about his Blue Shield product to protect against EMFs in your home. The, the more connected we are, the more electromagnetic radiation we're going to have. So years ago, I'd play with Q-Links and just anything I can get my hands on that whether I felt it working or not, I just wanted some kind of leverage against sure. electromagnetic radiation and those frequencies and how they affect the cellular biology. But then when I met Mark and started really getting deep to his technology and really looking at the microprocessing technology, I've never found any any EMF company that would not only to test on not only human blood and urine analysis, but also on animals, which totally weeds out the idea of placebo effect. I mean, the fact that you can plug these devices into a chicken farm, a factory farm for about 15,000 laying hens, and all of a sudden the mortality rate, which is averages from 60 to 150 deaths per month, goes down to zero. I mean, it's pretty profound that a, a little device, a little energy device could actually like create such a harmony and balance within the the environment to where claustrophobic chickens that are crammed in together actually get along better and actually feel better. And, and oh. the, the, you know, the biological markers are improved over that one year study. There's quite a bit of science with this Blue Shield product. You can see the ad on the front page. Promo code one radio will get you a 10% discount. This works on the cells in the body. Very cool technology. Front page, Blue Shield. OneRadioNetwork.com. Previously with cardiologist Dr. Joel Kahn, 35 years experience in cardiology. On your commercial break, you hit a hot button because I'm a giant fan of infrared sauna and the cardiac benefits. Tell us about uh, why you like these saunas for the heart. What does it do? In Japan, it's a traditional therapy of heart disease to even sick heart patients to sit for 15 or 20 minutes in an infrared sauna then lie down and rest and hydrate for about half an hour. They call it WAON, W-A-O-N. It means soothing heat. And they've done research studies, like 30 of them in humans. Anti-ages your arteries and improves the strength of your heart, and it may actually prolong survival in sick heart patients. Anybody can just, again, go to the Internet, 
read about infrared sauna heart disease or put my name there because I've written many articles about it. Now there's data coming out of Sweden and Finland because they've published some amazing data that number of times a week you're in a sauna, number of minutes each time, you can just track out how long you're going to live. So very powerful therapy by being in, my favorite is an infrared sauna. Well, I don't know about you, but if the heart muscles and the arteries are happy, things are good. Very important. We promote the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. Special price, not in print, nine ninety five. Delivered continental U.S. Get your heart and keep your heart and arteries in fine shape by using the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. Email me for the special price, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay, March 19th. Having a good time talking with Dr. Ray Pete. Dr. Pete, thanks for being here again. We we really enjoy talking to you. Um, what are some good things, speaking about the heart, that our listeners can do for these actual heart muscles? You know, the atherosclerosis is one thing, but the actual heart muscle and a lot of the heart incidences are really, I understand, myocardial infarctions, right, where the heart muscles give up or get sick or infected. What are some good and bad things we can do for these, for the heart muscle itself? Inflammation is the uh, worst thing for the heart and the arteries. The, mm. the hardening of the arteries starts with inflammation, and the polyunsaturated fats ah. are the key to the inflammatory process. The, the prostaglandins <clears throat> amplify any little. Uh, problem, uh, lack of oxygen, overstress, uh, irritants such, such as inhaled uh, uh, microparticles that get into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Whatever starts the inflammation, then the polyunsaturated fat conversion to prostaglandins amplifies that uh, and leads to uh, the trapping of, of a combination of fatty acid and cholesterol. It isn't the pure cholesterol that causes the problem. It's the accumulated uh, uh, fatty acid ester of the cholesterol uh, that, that uh, causes problems in the brain and heart. Uh, and in animal experiments, uh, uh, a thyroid supplement can, uh, for example, they would produce an enlarged fibrous heart uh, in animals by, by constricting a, a, an artery. And when they had a, a large fibrotic heart, they found that a T3 supplement of, of active thyroid hormone would energize the heart so that it could clear out and reverse that uh, excess collagen accumulation. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, Brad Barnes uh, found that all all of the heart diseases were essentially prevented when he kept them on. Uh, the right amount of thyroid for their their whole life. <laughs> the T three or uh, the combo doc? Uh, he he always <clears throat> used only the Armour thyroid. T three hadn't been identified uh, when he started his career, uh, and then the uh, the industry synthesizing thyroxin uh, convinced uh, all the doctors in the country that uh, Armour thyroid was unscientific because it. Uh, contains this mi- mixture of substances 
the the industry wanted to sell a pure substance, and and so uh, they used various uh, marketing tricks to convince doctors that thyroxin was the same, but it wasn't. It, it, uh, it definitely works in healthy young men the same way that uh, natural thyroid works, but in a person under stress, aging, or simply having female hormones, uh, the T3 isn't produced from thyroxin at an adequate rate. And so the Armour Thyroid provided some of the T3 that everyone needs uh, during stress. And uh, when you've accumulated the polyunsaturated fats and uh, produced the prostaglandins, uh, then you don't uh, activate your own tissues. The, the fats interfere with the use of glucose to activate thyroxin and turn it into T3. Uh, so as we accumulate the esters of cholesterol and polyunsaturated fats in our tissue and other uh, fat uh, stores, uh, these uh, progressively block the effects of the thyroid hormone, not only directly blocking the formation of the hormone, but uh, all of the effects that the, the hormone should be having are, are blocked when you uh, progressively accumulate these unsaturated fats. Oh, poopers. Can Mr. Pete offer some recommendations on how to remove lipofuscin accumulation, uh, a.k.a. age spots from the surface of the skin on the face? Um, uh, yeah, I, I saw uh, people, when I first started uh, experimenting with progesterone, uh, I saw a woman who had just gone on an estrogen supplement. She hadn't looked bad at the age of 45, but uh, after six months uh, taking an estrogen supplement, she had brown age spots all over her mm -hmm. arm, arms and face. And uh, within just two or three weeks of using progesterone, uh, those, those had disappeared. Uh, it was apparently... Uh, some very great sensitivity to uh, an estrogen excess that uh, was was balanced by the progesterone. But in the brain, uh, uh, it's been demonstrated that our cells uh, can r remove uh, 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 the spots of lipofuscin. Uh, and one experiment uh, was demonstrating that vitamin E uh, can uh, activate the removal, but in that experiment, uh, they were dissolving the vitamin E in ethanol, and they found that uh, the very small amount of ethanol uh, traveling along with the vitamin E was improving the action of the vitamin E. Uh, the ethanol at that tiny concentration uh, was acting as an antioxidant, uh, activating the, the body's ability to uh, remove the lipofuscin. Vitamin E with a little bit of ethanol. Oh. Um, well, vitamin E is the best mm -hmm. to use because when you eat it, uh, that was an in vitro experiment, and if you eat the vitamin E, it gets into your uh, bloodstream in the proper form that is optimal uh, for stopping and, and reversing the age pigment. And you can put them on externally as well, vitamin E? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, do you, let's see, 
if you one was using food grade uh, clay for detox uh, or charcoal, how much would we know how much to use? Writes Amy. Um, the in uh, the nineteen seventies, I I ran across a German researcher, uh, Gerhard Fulkheimer, an immunologist, who had his medical students uh, eat. Uh, he, he used uh, starch particles of different diameters from uh, uh, 10 times as big as a red blood cell down to microscopic particles uh, just uh, big enough to see under a high-powered microscope. And he would have them drink a, a slurry of, of this starch, and then uh, every 15 minutes he would check their blood, their urine, and uh, a few times the other body fluids, uh, even uh, cerebrospinal fluid, and found that every 15 to 30 minutes, uh, these particles would show up in a more remote part of the body, hmm. uh, very quickly into the bloodstream. Uh, and uh, later, he, he, in animals, checked other particles, uh, uh, including uh, charcoal, uh, clay, uh, various minerals, and found that uh, any any particle of e even that great range of sizes up to 10 times as big as the average cell can find its way into the bloodstream. Uh, and so uh, particulate matter really should be taken along with foods that, that are are so coarse or uh, uh, including fat in the diet, but uh, cellulose in the food is a good fiber that will prevent those particles uh, from passing into the bloodstream. Hmm. Wow. Uh, has Dr. Pete ever heard of using, uh, let's see, a little bit of a teaspoon of Clorox into a gallon of water to soak of vegetables and detoxified food. Oh, oh yeah, uh, peroxide is a very safe way to wash your food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to have a salsa company, and we would use fresh cilantro, lots, and then we would we would make a big mixture, you know, in a in a sink of a little bit of Clorox and water, and let it soak in there for about ten minutes, and it would help the it would help the uh, you know, the cilantro stay fresher longer. You know, we didn't. It was a fresh product. Oh, Clorox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ideally, uh, peroxide, hydrogen peroxide, is the safest. But uh, Clorox in a dilute solution does disinfect. Nicely. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then you could use the food grade hydrogen peroxide. Same way. Uh, yeah, that that leaves no chemical residue at all. Right. Is that, and what does that do, to, uh, Dr. Pete? Does it uh, pull toxins out of the vegetables and stuff um, like that? Uh, not to a significant no. amount. It, it, um, the, the peroxide will uh, degrade organic toxins on the surface, but uh, if it entered the cell, it would probably damage the nutritional quality. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, vitamins and such are very susceptible to oxidation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's see.
Genau. Hm. Oh, somebody from Poland just saying how much they enjoy having you on, and uh, here's somebody that's trying to navigate her way. She thread through keto and uh, grain-free, carb-free, and the only way she said is it just the best way to 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 do trial and success to try to figure out what kind of food is working for me. Um, I, yeah, it. it it's good to uh, know something of the chemistry of the food, but since everyone has a different, uh, almost infinitely complex uh, internal ecology of bacteria, uh, everyone is going to react somewhat differently. Uh, uh, so that uh, uh, if you're low in thyroid, for example, uh, your digestion is going to uh, be slow and that will give bacteria a chance to uh, live farther up in the intestine than they should. Uh, and there are some, besides uh, making sure that your thyroid is adequate, uh, using uh, fibrous uh, foods that are resistant to uh, bacterial degradation uh, helps to uh, uh, suppress and control the overgrowth of bacteria. Uh, people... Uh, I remember in the 50s, there were several uh, cases uh, around the world, three or four cases at a, at a time, of people who were fermenting food. They would eat rice or bread and get drunk. Uh, they were chronically intoxicated, and uh, when they were studied, it was found that they just had uh, uh, yeast growing in their stomach. Uh, and uh, uh, when when a large number of people uh, are investigated. It turns out that uh, the very healthiest people keep the bacteria confined to the colon, the large intestine, mm. and uh, a slightly stressed or sicker older person is more likely to have some uh, in the lower ileum where uh, the sicker person is, the farther up the intestine the bacteria invade until uh, bacteria and yeast can live in the stomach and even the mouth. Uh, but uh, if you uh, use the slightly antiseptic resistant foods, raw carrots are an example. Uh, the carrot to live in the earth has to uh, resist lots of organisms, can't, can't uh, mold very easily or, or rot with bacteria, so it has antiseptics in it. And so when you eat a a carrot, you're disinfecting your your bowel uh, fairly efficiently. Uh, several other foods, uh, uh, the the bran of of wheat, for example, is very res resistant. Uh, although the starch will uh, support bacterial growth, uh, uh, good cellulose fiber, uh, such as in in a wheat bran or in carrot itself. Uh, helps to uh, sort of sweep out the intestine while slightly disinfecting it. Do you still do your little carrot salad thing? What's the recipe for that, uh, if I remember? Uh, the, um, <laughs> the carrot itself, if it's shredded and uh, uh, given a, a dressing with a little bit of olive oil or coconut oil and vinegar mm -hmm. and, and salting it to taste, the carrot being indigestible carries 
the oil and vinegar, which are uh, both fungicidal and bactericidal, uh, through the intestine. Uh, so it, the oil, vinegar, and carrot combine to make a, a very broad-spectrum antiseptic for the intestine. Oh, that's cool. You know, with all this talk about not too much, uh, not enough stomach acid or too much, does the hydrochloric acid in the stomach, is it actually working on digestion, or is it mostly just keeping things, uh, bacteria from overgrowing in the stomach? Uh, uh, both of those. Both. Um, but, but when some experimenters put the proper amount of, of stomach acid and enzymes together in a, in a bottle, uh, nothing much happened. But uh, when they passed that into a piece of intestine, uh, they uh, put the intestine in formaldehyde to <laughs> fix it. So it was uh, definitely not living material, but it was the uh, anatomy, the, the fuzzy lining of the intestine combined with the enzymes and acid of the stomach, uh, then the digestion went ahead. Uh, so it, it isn't just the the, uh, the enzyme and acid, but it requires the, the exact uh, anatomy of the digestive system before the enzymes fully work. So, and that that, that exact anatomy is what? How do we figure? Would we figure uh, that out to a supplement? Uh, uh, the, the lining of the intestine mm-hmm. has little projections, and on those projections, there are micro projections, and the the digestive enzymes uh, lie down on the surface of the cells, and the digestion happens uh, right at the surface, so oh. that the protein. Uh, isn't digested out in the bulk phase, but right at the surface where it's contacting the in- intestine. And can folks work with that with just taking extra hydrochloric acid, or do they need to do something with that? Um, the um, drugstores used to sell dilute hydrochloric acid and a glass straw <laughs> so that you could drink it uh, somewhat bypassing your your teeth which it would destroy. Uh, but uh, the people who are deficient in hydrochloric acid are, are simply uh, malnourished and low thyroid. Uh, you, you need production of carbon dioxide, which requires thyroid. The carbon dioxide is the source of the acidification for making hydrochloric acid. Uh, and without adequate oxygen metabolism, uh, governed by thyroid, you don't make stomach acid. Uh, and with the thyroid working properly, then then you can make the acid. So a lot of this reflux stuff could all be tied back to the thyroid. Um, it, yeah, and, and the reflux is uh, a matter of a common combination of irritation, mostly from bacteria and undigested food, lower in the intestine mm-hmm. combined with the low energy of hypothyroidism so that when your blood sugar uh, decreases at bedtime, the irritation, instead of causing a uh, normal head to rear uh, uh, top to bottom uh, peristalsis, the irritation in the intestine uh, sends waves of peristalsis backward up the intestine, through the stomach, into the esophagus. Oh. Uh, 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 Walter Alvarez, a, a famous enterologist, 
uh, in the 1920s uh, had his medical students uh, put some uh, uh, club moss uh, spores, which are uh, very visible under the microscope, had them put them in in their rectums, and uh, about I think it was 10 or 15 percent of of his students found those spores in their mouth in the morning, showing that they had had reverse peristalsis during the night. Wow! So if if that was happening for some folks, which I suspect is at night, what are some things they can do? To, to, to turn that around so it doesn't back up. Uh, everything that keeps your blood sugar from falling too low at night mm-hmm. and, and thyroid and the other hormones are essential, but good nutrition, uh, nothing that uh, lowers your, your blood sugar too extremely, uh, like a heavy uh, protein meal uh, at bedtime uh, will drive up the insulin and lower the blood sugar uh, so that you you get these intense symptoms at night. Uh, a more carbohydrate uh, late in the day uh, helps to prevent that uh, extreme dip in blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly been a lot of said right maxim about the fish oils by Dr. Pete. And, uh, of course, he said there's still lots and lots and lots of doctors that are prescribing uh, these fish oils, and they claim that they're they've been very helpful for their patients to reduce reduce inflammation, joint pain, cardiac inflammation, and things like that. How is that? How can Doctor Pete explain how some people have a good experience with this? Uh, for about for about six months, you do get very good uh, anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, some researchers found that. By the time uh, fish oil reaches your bloodstream, it is already oxidized, and these free radical uh, oxidizing fragments uh, attack the blood cells uh, and uh, have an anti-inflammatory but also immunosuppressive effect for about the six, first six months after you use it. Uh, and then the, if you keep doing it, the... Uh, anti-inflammatory pro-oxidative effect uh, uh, tends to uh, dominate. Uh, And if you look at the brain composition of a newborn baby, Mm -hmm. uh, they're starting to say that babies are all born deficient in essential fatty acids, but but that's a normal uh, protection of the developing brain. Uh, It makes its own unsaturated fats out of the sugar that gets through uh, the, the placenta. But uh, on a normal average diet, uh, the brain gradually uh, uh, starts accumulating uh, around puberty when, when growth is uh, uh, leveling off at, at the adult size. Uh, as soon as the body stops enlarging and diluting that PUFA in our, our diet, it starts uh, showing a rapid accumulation in the brain. The percentage of PUFA in the brain increases steadily starting at the age of 20 and uh, is very high in old age. So they they talk about the brain needing fish oil because you find fish oil in the brain, uh, the highly uh, oxidized uh, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids are 
concentrated in the brain, but that's uh, increasing uh, as the brain slows down in in beyond middle age, uh, where a young brain that learns uh, very well has very little uh, PUFA accumulated. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I've had some lots of dental issues. Writes an emailer. My whole life, and I love orange juice, and would like to follow some of Dr. Pete's advice on drinking it. However, I'm concerned about that my teeth just don't like it. Most agree that that amount of fructose in orange juice is equivalent to that of a sugary soda drink. Is um, is there a way around this? Uh, uh, fructose really is is in some ways better than glucose uh, as our energy supply, but uh, because it doesn't uh, drive the insulin secretion, cells can take it up without insulin. Uh, and so, in in the experiments, they first they feed a basic diet, often giving six percent of PUFA in the diet plus an excess of fructose, uh, and uh, that's perfectly designed to uh, make the uh, the PUFA more active, and uh, then they blame it on the fructose. Uh, but uh, it's a combination of, of more unsaturated fat than the organism can deal with when you're uh, giving it too many calories in the easily assimilated fructose form. Uh, but but uh, the ordinarily we can make are any uh, uh, triply or, or uh, multiply uh, oxidized unsaturated fatty acids right out of fructose and glucose. So if, if we uh, deprive ourselves as far as we can of PUFA, uh, then our, our sugars will be handled properly to make the omega-9 series, which are anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-degenerative uh, fatty acids versus the uh, N minus 6 and N minus 3, which are unstable. If one was eating a generous amount of fruit, because um, they just seem, people seem to do well with it, would there be a fasting blood sugar, Dr. Pete, that one would want to look at in the morning with, you know, the pinprick to kind of keep tabs on where you'd want to be? Um, uh, yeah, the, if your stress hormones aren't exaggerated during the night, mm-hmm. If your blood sugar is stable just because your thyroid is good and you didn't overeat protein at bedtime, uh, then your stress hormones rise only slightly during the night. Uh, the longer the night, the, the more uh, we are likely to use up our stored sugar. Uh, and when that sugar is used up, then cortisol and adrenaline rise in the morning. Uh, and that will give you a higher morning uh, glucose. So if, if you're eating uh, enough fruit, uh, uh, milk, milk and orange juice, for example, are very stabilizing. Uh, that will keep your morning cortisol to a minimum so that your your morning blood sugar isn't going to have that surge around dawn. Is there something we can do at night to lower the cortisol for folks that have a hard time sleeping? They get Cortisol gets the level gets too high. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the fibrous diet is one of the very effective things because uh, irritation in the intestine uh, is uh, it escapes our control when our blood sugar dips, uh, and so you don't notice that your intestine is 
at all irritated during the daytime, but when the blood sugar falls, then we, in effect, are having an allergic reaction to any irritating thing in the intestine. Uh, so uh, a thing like uh, some kind of mild fibrous food in the afternoon uh, uh, protects against that irritation. Uh, aspirin uh, at, uh, late in the day or at bedtime uh, reduces some of the amplification of the irritation uh, and uh, having some carbohydrate like orange juice or milk with sugar uh, right at bedtime uh, helps to, to maintain uh, sleep and, and uh, reduce the uh, cortisol rise during the night. And, and what kind of fibrous foods would you try in the afternoon? Uh, carrot salad, for Car- example. Oh, carrot salad. Uh, uh, cooked mushrooms are another for a variety. Uh, uh, cooked bamboo shoots. Uh, you, you can make some interesting dishes with, with cheese and bamboo shoots. Mm-hmm. Oh, sounds good. Uh, let's see. Is I don't see any apparent link to subscribe to Dr. Pete's newsletter or to buy his books. How do we go about doing this? Um, the email address for that is Ray Pete's newsletter, all one word, at gmail.com. Ray Pete's newsletter at gmail.com. And your books generally... Available around Amazon and places? At the same, no. No? I I tried selling them at Barnes & Noble about 20 years ago, and it was too much trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Ray Pete's newsletter, gmail.com. That's the place to go. Right. Um, Here's an email. I read that over 100 years ago it was well-known among endocrinologists, that accessory thyroid glands are common, usually between the aortic arch and the hyroid bone. Wow. Sometimes within the bone itself. How effective are these accessory thyroids in the primary gland if the primary gland is removed? Oh, um, yeah, sometimes a person does spiden with the, the remnants uh, that are removed, but other times uh, they go into a totally hypothyroid, uh, athyreotic state. Uh, so you don't want to count on on having more thyroids uh, if you have one removed. Uh, and uh, starting around uh, uh, the 1930s, uh, the Cleveland Clinic, which had pioneered uh, thyroidectomy, uh, and they were removing more than a thousand every year. Uh, they r- realized that uh, that wasn't the right approach. And uh, uh, by the time uh, uh, George Cryel Jr. Uh, took over, uh, they were doing almost no thyroid surgeries, maybe a dozen a year, uh, for only advanced cancer, uh, for for most thyroid so-called cancer. Uh, they didn't have to do surgery. They would just supplement something like Armour Thyroid to the point that their TSH went down hmm. uh, to, to zero. Uh, and uh, uh, you can you can adapt to that and live perfectly well with uh, what had been uh, a reason for removing the whole thyroid gland 
for, for the diagnosed cancer. Mm-hmm. Here's an email from a fellow in Wisconsin. He said, having trouble with high levels of barium and high blood pressure, can you suggest any kind of detox ideas for this? Um, if if someone uh, is interested in the effect of thyroid on blood pressure, I have at least a dozen articles I could email them uh, showing that uh, it's very common to simply cure high blood pressure by correcting the thyroid function. Wow. wow. Would eating eat grapefruit, grapefruit or drinking freshly squeezed grapefruit juice have the same anti-estrogenic effects as the orange juice? Um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, there was uh, there were a few public publications about uh, 15 years ago, I think, uh, in Northern Europe, in which they found estrogen uh, increasing effects of grapefruit juice. But uh, later publications found that that wasn't accurate. I think they were using uh, the typically under-ripened uh, grapefruit uh, that uh, had had some irritating properties, but uh, good ripe grapefruits are very sweet, and uh, like orange juice, they they have a protective uh, pro-oxidative, pro-thyroid effect, and, and when your thyroid is working right, your estrogen is kept minimal, uh, except during the, the, the one or two days around ovulation, it's safe for the estrogen to surge, but otherwise the thyroid should trim the estrogen down to a, a minimum. Mm-hmm. Dom writes in, uh, what's uh, the best way to activate, to activate our, own our own stem cells, cells uh, uh, versus uh, getting them injected? Every night, the, the stress of darkness activates a surge of, <laughs> of new stem cells. Uh, and, uh, uh, it's a natural uh, regulation process for them to be born, but the trouble is that our stress hormones, prostaglandins and such, kill them as soon as they're born. Uh, in the pancreas, for example, uh, uh, the stem cells are chronically, uh, every day some are being uh, produced to replace uh, the other uh, the, the insulin-secreting cells. Uh, it has been called the streaming organism because cells in each organ are uh, constantly being formed to replace the uh, uh, old uh, w- working cells as, as they are damaged. Uh, the, the skin, everything should have this stream of new cells replacing uh, cells that are damaged by sunlight, for example. So that uh, the, if you uh, don't replace them, you get an accumulation of mutated cells. Uh, the, the streaming new cells should uh, remove those mutant damaged cells. But uh, in the pancreas, for example, uh, the PUFA and the prostaglandins, uh, nitric oxide and other stress-induced uh, chemicals kill those newly born pancreatic beta cells as fast as they're produced. So you uh, stay def- deficient in the ability to make insulin. Mm-hmm. But uh, sugar uh, uh, can contradict that. Sugar uh, lets the stem cells survive. Same, same in the brain. You, it's a competition between 
polyunsaturated fats and glucose uh, for whether uh, the newly born cells will survive. A couple more here, then we'll let you go back to work. Um, uh, folks have been talking about this intermittent fasting to increase stem cells. In general, Dr. Pete, do you think the body wants to eat every so often, or does it do fine if you want to skip 18 hours or something? Oh, oh sure. A, a healthy liver can store, uh, and the muscles and brain, everything stores uh, glycogen uh, so that a healthy person should easily be able to go uh, 12 to 18 hours. But if your liver is not so healthy, uh, if you've got too much PUFA in your in your body, hmm. uh, as soon as your blood sugar dips, you're going to pull PUFA in the circulation and start killing things. So, so is there a benefit if you can go and do that intermittent fasting, do you think, for the body? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I've known people who uh, just by uh, uh, correcting their thyroid and maybe using little bits of coffee uh, to help their thyroid get going uh, were able to uh, go many hours without have, having to eat to avoid stress. So a little coffee actually kicks it up a little bit, your thyroid? Uh, yeah, aspirin and coffee by, by reducing the inflammatory things help the thyroid to keep oxygen going. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Kira, Kira wants to know, does decaf coffee still have some of the same benefits that regular coffee offers? I understand that the benefits of the caffeine itself are are, are gone. So is it even worth drinking? Um, yeah, if it's uh, decaffeinated uh, with carbon dioxide in a safe way rather than a chlorine solvent, hmm. uh, the uh, the coffee, despite the very small amount of caffeine left in it, it still contains uh, potassium, magnesium, uh, niacin, uh, some of the B vitamins. Uh, a study in England uh, about 40 years ago found that uh, the average English person was getting about uh, 20% of their uh, vitamins uh, from uh, either coffee or tea. Uh, so it isn't ins- insignificant as a, a nutrition source. Just want to be careful how they do the decaffeination. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, for for a while they were using, uh, I think it was ethylene trichloride or something. Oh, great. Carc- carcinogenic solvent. Sounds pretty good. Um, here is an email that says, um, I've always been, I was always cold at night. Now I'm really warm most of the time. I took Armour Thyroid a few years ago. But I can't find it anywhere now. Then they, then they switched to Nature Thyroid. Now that isn't available, so I'm using No Thyroid. Um, the good thing about Armour used to be that they tested every batch on mice and made sure that it had the same potency from batch to batch because the cows vary in their thyroid quality depending on what they were eating and where they came from. Uh, but in the 1990s, the company was sold, went through several changes of ownership, each time forgetting uh, what they were doing to some extent. Uh, and uh, so I don't know exactly what the current uh, availability of, of armor thyroid is. Uh, but there are uh, products that say they're using uh, pure uh, beef or pork 
uh, thyroid glands. So I think it's a matter of trying out different products and seeing, according to your response in pulse and temperature, mm-hmm. whether they're working the way armor used to. Mm-hmm. Pretty curious how the shortages that we see going on. Um, uh, yeah, it's powered by the uh, regulators. Uh, the the uh, uh, FDA has been serving the pharmaceutical industry to sell products. Uh, they've progressively uh, taken off more of the traditional uh, herbal products, for example. Even quinine that was used for hundreds of years uh, was given by the FDA to one company to monopolize so they can make more money on it. Oh, really? uh, several, several products like that have been uh, simply awarded to the friends of the FDA uh, to uh, charge a hundred times more than the, the product always sold for. Yeah. Finally, here's one for you. Um, through diet, exercise, and supplementation, uh, doctors have recommended that I've been able to lower my triglycerides between 400 mg and 500 mg. The prescribed supplements are 2,400 mg's of omega-3, 6, and 9. What can I replace these supplements with? Um, uh, Using orange juice instead of uh, bread starch, for example, uh, can make a big difference. Starches are are very uh, strong uh, for uh, stimulating triglyceride synthesis. Uh, 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 Vegetables and orange juice and uh, Anything that supports your thyroid function is going to normalize your triglycerides. <laughs> so, good job, uh, Doc. Thanks for for spending some time with us once again. So, we have Repeat Newsletter. Is it a singular Repeat Newsletter at Gmail? Uh, no, with, with an S. Repeats. Oh, repeats. Yeah. No apostrophe. Just yeah. Repeats Newsletter at gmail.com for folks to get... Uh, books, uh, books and, and stuff, stuff. And, and your newsletter and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well thanks, thanks for, being for being here. here. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's thanks really been a pleasure. It's an honor, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take Bye. care. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ray P. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. He's a good one. We're going to uh, we're gonna put on her. I can't believe uh, Sharon actually got a little picture of me that she's got a tinfoil hat. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, you can see it up there on the top. That's funny. Um, we'll do a little tinfoil hat Monday. We're going to have some fun tomorrow. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy talking with Richard Grove. That'll be tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Thanks for your ongoing support. I love you all very much, and I appreciate you being here. And uh, especially, and I take very, very sincerely the idea that that you'll try some of these different products that we recommend because, you know, I'm, you uh, you work uh, efficiently and effectively for your little dollars and, and you want to be careful when you start trading them for stuff. And so so we appreciate your ongoing um, support and trust in a lot of the different things that we promote and because we think that they're some of the best and we know the source. And so that means a lot to us that when you try them and, and it keeps our our whole um, business model working here, and we and we do what we do. And so, I love you all very much. Thanks a lot. We'll see you tomorrow. Have some fun. <laughs>